And for the winter, I'm there for a month, just for the record. There's still a lot of winter in February, March, April. So is there anybody out there who is already tired of the snow? Oh, wow. That was more than I thought. I thought it was just my wife. Apparently, it's more than that. Let's go ahead and dive into God's Word this morning. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. Starting in verse 1. Is that me, Jordan, or are we good? anything I need to do? Or is it just me hearing that? Okay, all right. Starting in verse 1, Hebrews chapter 12, here's what we read. It says, Therefore we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come to your word this morning, may we just fully take in whatever it is you would have for us this morning. May we be sensitive to your Holy Spirit being present among us right now, Father, speaking through your active and living word, Lord. May it divide issues in our heart that you want to divide, Father, and cut off flesh in our heart that you want to cut off, Jesus. May you help us understand how we can run this race of life to win it, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in your powerful and your holy name. Amen. We're only going to cover two scriptures today. And before we dive into them, it's important to understand the background behind the book of Hebrews, or at least one element of it. The writer is writing to a group of Hebrew Christians who are under great persecution like severe persecution by the Roman Empire. They are under such great persecution that many of them are being tempted to walk away from the faith, not because they found some theological error, not because, you know, they had a problem with the pastor or anything like that, simply because of this persecution that them and their families are facing from the Roman Empire. And Paul is, is right, well, I shouldn't say Paul, okay? Some people think it's Paul. Let me stand corrected there. The author, the Holy Spirit, is writing to them and saying, hey, guys, I know you're tempted in this way, but that's not an option. And, and as the world becomes uglier to you and becomes more evil, it's becoming more unlike Christ than ever before, and it should actually motivate you to draw closer into Christ. And he begins to compare the Christian life to a race in this first two verses, particularly a long-distance race. And he's going to, in my opinion, act as a spiritual coach. I will call him the ultimate coach. Has anybody ever, anybody in here had any important uh, coaches in your life who coached you in sports, right? They, they hold a dear, dear place in our heart. This is the ultimate coach, and he is telling us that this life is a long-distance race, and he's going to give us key things, key points that we need to do in order to run the race to finish it, to hear those words at the end of our life 
well done, good and faithful servant. Now enter with the joy of the Lord. And the first key, he says in verse 1, is, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he wants you to understand that when you walk through this life, you are not alone. That there is, as you're running this long distance race, there is a great cloud of witnesses in the heavenly realm that is right there observing you, cheering you on, inspiring you. He just gets done talking in, in Hebrews chapter 11 about the hall of faith, right? And that's what the word therefore is therefore. He's referencing the hall of faith, those great spiritual athletes of the past who did it before you. And he's saying, you're in the presence of all of those people. In Hebrews chapter 1, he talks about the angels being ministering spirits to us in this life, in this race. You're in the presence of those angels. You can picture yourself running the Colosseum, and they are filling the stance, and they are there to watch you. And that should inspire you to perform well. If you, I grew up wrestling, um, played a bunch of sports, but wrestling was definitely my favorite. You don't play wrestling, but I wrestled. And it's an interesting sport because you're out there alone. And whenever you engage in a sport, did you ever feel pressure when there were certain people watching you, right? I, you know, when, when, when my parents or, or nobody I cared about where I was at the match, I didn't feel too much pressure. But if my parents were watching me, I didn't want to go out there and get my butt kicked, right? If, my, if I had a girlfriend at the time and she was in the stands... I definitely didn't want to go out there and get my, like their pressure was on, right? And I did, the whole point is are we waking up aware that we have a heavenly presence watching us yeah. as we run this race? And if you want to be great at a sport, one thing you can do is study those who were great at it before you, right? And that's why in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, when it talks about Abraham and Noah and Sarah and Rahab, he's saying, listen, if you're going through a hard time, you can look at those people in Scripture who went through hard times just as hard as yours, if not more, and what did they do? And you can study how they got through it by the grace of God. That's the first key. The second key is to lay aside, it says, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And he's actually, when you look at these Greek words, he's, he's drawing in the culture of the Greeks. And they ran races in a unique way. They ran it in a pretty radical way with no clothes on. That's just what they did. Because they believed that when they ran a race, they did not want anything weighing them down. And I actually like that. The, I like how extreme that imagery is in the sense of, God is telling us when you run this race, the Christian life, you can't have any, you cannot afford to have anything weighing you down. And he specifically addresses the sin which so easily ensnares us. Now I know, I don't know what yours is, but I know that we are all prone to certain temptations. There, you, some, most of the time it's habitual. We're all prone to certain things in our life that maybe we're more tempted in than other things. Are you, are you watching those things in your life and making sure they don't weigh you down? I don't know if it's sexual lust, jealousy, dishonesty, laziness, hatred, covetousness, gluttony, 
pride, I don't know what yours is. But I know we're all prone to certain things that easily ensnare us. And we have to be very careful not to let those things weigh us down. He actually says, it doesn't even have to be sin. He says every weight. It could be something that is generally good, but because of something that happened to you or an experience or, or something in life, it specifically weighs you down. It doesn't have to be sin. It could be a friendship, an association, an event, a place, a habit. The whole point is that if it's weighing you down as you walk with God, it must be stripped off if you're going to run this race to win it. That's the whole point. And as we go into 2024, I want you to take a moment here, and I want you to ask yourself personally, what are the things that are weighing you down? And in fact, we're going to, I'm going to take about 15 seconds here. We're going to close our eyes, and, we're, and I, I just want you to really try to dig in your heart here in a minute and just picture what is weighing you down as you move into this new year. Let's go ahead and do that for a second. think of something? I hope you did. And if not, spend more time on it. And here's what I would encourage you. If you need help removing that, don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. It's, what he's telling us is, is that it's important that it gets removed. If you need to reach out to Pastor Steve or another brother or sister in Christ, you need to do that. And let them hold you accountable because I'm telling you, as the world gets worse and worse and as we face great trials and tribulations in life, we can't afford to have things weighing us down. He says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So then he begins to address their need for endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That word literally means a steadfast perseverance to just keep going no matter what, putting one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, in front of the other. And no long distance race is ever finished without endurance. In every race, there comes a point where the romance ends, okay? As I grew, when I was growing up, I ran Bloomsday with with my friend. Did anybody run Bloomsday before? Okay, a few people. Or if you've ever ran any type of, of a race where it's like, you know, there's, there's momentum in the beginning, there, there's a celebration. At the beginning of that race, I'm telling you, everybody at the, like, the race is about to begin, they're blasting music, everybody's excited, everybody's patting each other on the back, we got this, we're going to finish it, we're going to do our best, everybody has their plan, and then boom, the race starts. For me, it's like 30 seconds, a minute in. <laughs> it's like, that excitement has weighed off fast. And the, and the finish line is very far away. And, and that, that romance ends. And now I need, what, endurance. And, and, and the same thing is true in the Christian life. How many people, when they get saved, it's like, hallelujah, right? Amen. You know, someone was saved today. Everybody's patting them on the back. This is going to be great. God is going to bless your life beyond anything you've ever known. This is the best decision you've ever made in your entire life. You've entered into a relationship with the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And then the race starts. And all of a sudden, they're like, whoa. 
this Christian life can be difficult. This Christian life can mean persecution, and it can mean hardship. And you know what they need? Endurance. If you talk to marathon runners, I've never ran a marathon. I really, I doubt I ever will. <laughs> but I've talked to some marathon runners. They're in the, I was in the Marine Corps for four and a half years, and, and the Marine Corps marathon's huge. You know, lots of Marines run it. I have no idea why, but they do. Um, and as talking, they, they talk about this point. It's called the wall, okay? They, they, and it usually, usually happens around mile 20 or so. They can actually kind of pinpoint it for people who are in really good shape. And they say, when you hit this point called the wall, your body says, hey, unless you, unless you need to survive, you need to stop right now. And one of their biggest challenges is pushing through the wall. And it's not just a mental thing. It's a physical thing. It's when your body completely runs out of the energy source it's used to running on. Their bodies completely run out of glucose. And their body says, you need to stop. And they have to try to push through it. And then if they push through it, the body, the body turns to a different energy source, which is fat, right? It's a little inefficient, but it gets them through the rest of the race. Now, I would submit to you that every Christian at some point in their life, maybe you've hit it, maybe you haven't, <laughs> hits the wall. And here's what it is. It's where the trial or tribulation or hardship you're facing is so great that you're tempted to give up. I think these Hebrew Christians have hit the wall and they're tempted to walk away from the faith. And you know what you have to do? You have to switch energy sources. You have to say, man, you know what? I can't. I've been trying to run this race on my own energy the whole time. Meanwhile, God wants me to run this race on his energy, on his spirit, right? And I am going to tell you something right now. Until you learn to run on his energy, you have no idea what you're capable of. I can promise you that. It is so much better than anything I can ever offer. It's like I was thinking this morning, you know, we're still searching for renewable energy. That happened 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost, right? God has his energy. But I'm telling you that push through the wall, and, 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 he, and he, he will get you there. So, sorry, Steve, I might be a little longer than I thought. No. Um, the next pointer, he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. So our focus when we're running this race is to be on Jesus. And a long-distance runner, they'll do a couple of different things. They'll do something with their eyes, and they'll do something with their mind. With their eyes, they will generally pick a landmark out in the distance, whatever it might be. And they'll run to that landmark, and then when they reach it, they'll pick another landmark. I think that's very healthy as a Christian. I don't know what it is for you, but pick something that you can see ahead of you. I'm not, I'm not asking you to pick something a year from now, two years from now. I'm saying, what's, what is your focus right now? What goal, what landmark can you reach in your life right now for Jesus that you're running towards? And then get to that landmark and pick another one. Maybe, maybe that landmark's a week out, a month out. Maybe your trial is so great, you can't, you're just making it day to day. I don't know. That's okay. But pick something for Christ and stay focused on it. A long-distance runner with their mind, 
will take their mind and they will put it in a happy place. I can tell you what they won't do. They won't focus on their lungs burning and their legs tightening up. They will take their mind, they'll put it in a happy place. Maybe that's a trip to Hawaii. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's the Cowboys beating the Eagles tonight, right? I don't know. Come on, somebody, let's go. I hope I'm not disappointed. But what they won't do is they will not focus on that side ache or the cramp because if they choose to do that, that will be the first sign that they're going to be looking for a bench on the side. And I'm telling you, there is no better place in this Christian race to put our mind, to put our eyes, to put our hearts on than Jesus. No better place. And that's where it needs to be. Absolutely. I think one of the most distract, distracting things from Jesus, hear me out here, one of the most tempting things that we take our mind off of Christ and we put it on something else is to put our eyes on ourselves. I just want to give you a fair warning about that. I think that is an absolute trap. And so I can't tell you how many Christians I talk to, instead of having their eyes focused on Jesus, it's focused on themselves, their own limitations, their own inabilities, their own failures, their own lack of whatever it might be, and they become paralyzed by it when their mind, if they really want to start running to win, needs to be focused on Christ. The next point this is looking unto Jesus from the ultimate coach, okay? And I think this is so key. He says, the author and finisher of our faith. The word author implies that he is the originator of our faith. The word literally means pioneer. He is the pioneer of our faith. And it's a great reminder that me and you are not Christians in this room today because we are so smart, because we woke up and just got brilliant one day. Me and you are Christians in this room today because Jesus called us, because he originated our faith, and we said yes, Lord, to his calling. It has nothing to do with us. But what's even more important, what's even more amazing, is that he's not just the author of our faith. What is he? He's the finisher of our faith. The finisher, and that should that is literally intended to give us a tremendous amount of confidence. And every athlete needs confidence. Every runner needs confidence. And everybody in this Christian race needs confidence that if we are just willing, Jesus will make sure we finish. Paul writes in Philippians, he says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God wants you to be confident in this race. And I was like, you know, as I started thinking about confidence, you know, I just started thinking that the Bible says our faith should be childlike, right? And have you ever met that kid who just, like, I don't know if he's in reality or not, but like they are just confident in everything. Have you ever met that kid? Have you met Israel? You probably met that kid, right, Izzy? He's confident. Just confident. I'm convinced that every little boy goes through at least a phase where they really believe they are tougher than anybody on the planet. Like, I don't know if you ever met those kids either. But those are the type, that's the type of that childlike 
just no doubt confidence is what God wants us to have. Do you guys remember getting a new pair of shoes as a kid? And you, you felt like you were faster than anybody on the planet. And you could jump further than anybody. I'm like, it was just an instant, boom, new shoes, woo, I can take off. And I'm telling you, it's like the Holy Spirit is the ultimate shoes. And he really will make you confident in this race. And then we come to our last point. It says, who, this, this, this is so key. Our, the, the last point is to make Jesus' source of joy our source of joy, okay? And it's speaking of Jesus, and it says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our ultimate example of running this race to win it is who? Jesus. It's Jesus. And he endured the, cra- the cross. I mean, is there anything more shameful than the creator of the universe being crucified by his own creation? It, the Bible calls it shameful. It says it was a shameful event that took place. And yet Jesus endured that. Why? For the joy that was set before him. For the joy of eternity. And the final key to running this race to win it is to have an eternal mindset. You have to have an eternal mindset. That this world is temporary, right? The whole theme of eternity fills chapter 11 and the early part of chapter 12. Matthew chapter 5 says this, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why? It says, for great is your reward in heaven. That eternal mindset. This life is temporary. Concerning Abraham, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, we read in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham had the the promise of God that he'd be a great nation, that he'd have the promised land, that he'd have more descendants than the stars. But guess what? Abraham never saw any. Neither did Jacob. Neither did Isaac. Instead, he left it all behind and he lived as a foreigner in the land, traveling around in tents. What would cause a man to leave everything he's ever known in Mesopotamia and to go live as a foreigner in a land? Why would somebody do that? It says in verse 10, It says, for he was looking forward to what? The city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. You might have heard of the old phrase that says, don't be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. And that phrase is cliche and it's catchy, but I'll tell you what it's not. It's not biblical. It is absolutely not biblical. Because the Bible teaches us that the more heavenly minded we are, 
the more earthly good we are. Of Moses, we read in chapter 11, verse 4, we read, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. What caused Moses to walk away from becoming the next Pharaoh? What caused him to walk away from becoming the most powerful man on earth, to walk away from all of those riches, all of that pleasure, all of the power? What would make a man make that decision in this life? Who would do that? Not only walk away from it all, but then to walk away from it all and associate yourself with the people under great affliction. You have to be crazy, right? Why would he do that? It tells us in the next verse, verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the rewards. That's why. And he had it right. He had it a thousand percent right. He was looking to heaven. And that's how you run the race to win it. I love Francis Chan's white rope analogy. And here it is. We got a little white rope here, and I want you to picture that this rope does not end. It just keeps going and going and going. This rope represents your existence on this. Your existence, your eternal. How many of you guys know you're eternal? Right? This is this rope is it just keeps going and going and going. This colored part here, this is your existence on earth. That's what this is. And here's the, you want to know something? Here's the craziest thing about it is what you do in this small part impacts how you spend the rest of it forever and ever and ever. And here, you want to hear something even crazier? If this represents your existence, this little green part here, can you see the little green part? Let's say that represents retirement. (laughs) Yeah. We got, the, and we got retirement right here, baby. And what's, what's psychotic is that people will spend their entire lives living for this little green part so they can travel and be cushy and, and, and just take a break in the green part. Their entire lives go into that. What about this? What about this? What about all of the rest of it, right? What are you doing? Focusing on the green parts. You got the whole rope for eternity. God wants us to be focused on him. And so the question is, are we going to run to win? And I'll just finish with this. The most beautiful thing about a race, at least, at least to me, is that no matter how much pain you go through, no matter how hard that race was, the moment you cross the finish line, it's all gone. Oh, God, man. that pain's gone. And the only thing we have to look forward to is the glory of our Savior for eternity. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the word, and, and I thank you for being our, our coach, Lord. And I thank you for being the ultimate coach, that when we need you, you will show us what we need to do, and not only show us what we need to do, but the finisher of our faith, Lord, and may your spirit 
come inside each and every one of us right now, Father. May it just work in our heart, Lord. May you show us what we need to do, Lord. If, if we've been sitting on the sideline, if we've been taking a break, Jesus, may your spirit just prompt us to, to have the strength and the endurance to get back up and to keep running for you, Jesus, until the moment that we cross the finish line so we can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, now enter with the joy of the Lord. Amen. God bless you guys. Where'd Steve, was Steve the only one saved and the rapture happened? Where'd Steve go? Are we, a, are we doing a song or something? Where's the worship team? Are they still here? Sherry, you want to lead a song? Oh, well, okay, I guess, I guess we're going to pray one more time and then dismiss. <laughs> Father, we, uh, we thank you, Lord, for this, this time that we have, Lord, and as we leave here today, and, and may we have the understanding in our minds that we're leaving the church and we're entering into your mission field, Lord. And as we enter into your mission field outside of this building, may we have eyes to see and ears to hear what you have called us to do, Lord. And may we be faithful at calling. Amen. Amen. Sorry for the awkward close, guys. God bless. <laughs> Look, you choose me.